Welcome back to our series called Mission Possible, where we're looking at that mission that Jesus gave his church, the mission to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples who believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, and share the message of Jesus. Go and make disciples. And what we've seen over the last couple of weeks is we've seen the reason why. Because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. He is the only God, he is the only one who, has, who can tell death to bring you back. And death will have to listen. He is the sole authority in heaven and on earth. We saw last week that the way we do this and the way we have the power to do this is because it's the word of God that has the power for salvation. It's not in us. It's not in how well of a crafted sermon it is. It's in the power of God. Today, we look at go with a purpose. Go with a purpose. The purpose for the first century disciples, the 11 that were standing there listening to Jesus, was pretty obvious. Uh, Why go? Because 99% of the world didn't know Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus. Uh, There were maybe six, seven hundred believers at the time that Jesus gave this commission to go and make disciples. So it was vitally important. Go and share the message. But what about today? Is it still vitally important for you and me living in America in 2022 to go and share the message? I, I read an article last week Uh, about Christianity in America. 1990. Guess how many American adults said, I'm a Christian? Not just I believe in God. We did that one a couple weeks ago. This one is, how many identified as a Christian? American adults. 90%. In 2007, the American adults who identified as Christian, 78%. 2022. How many American adults identify as Christian? 64%. And they are projecting that come 2045, Christianity is going to be a minority religion in America. In fact, this isn't just America who sees this, other countries see this. Uh, On our Siena campus, so we we have four Divine Savior Academies, uh, two in Florida, one here, obviously, and then one in Siena, right outside Houston. Uh, they have a security guard who's from Nigeria, and he's so excited to be in America. Why? Obviously, he wants to live in America for the prosperity and everything, but he's over here because the Nigerians recognize Americans don't know the gospel. That's what he said. He said, just like Americans sent missionaries to Nigeria so many years ago, they are now sending missionaries to America because they recognize the gospel is declining here. That Christianity is declining in America. We have become the mission field in the world. Go with a purpose, Jesus says. This isn't about saving a declining religion. This is about saving those who are dying every day without knowing the hope of Jesus, without knowing the comfort of life after death. This is 
people who are, are living every day without knowing that they have peace with God, Jesus says, go with a purpose. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at three things. Uh, we're going to see what this mission brings to your life. We're going to see how you know this mission is for you. And then we're going to see what it looks like in your daily life. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're at again for the past two weeks and the next, today and next two weeks. Matthew 28, Jesus died. He had risen. And now he's spending, he was spending 40 days on earth appearing to his disciples, appearing to his followers uh, for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. Matthew 28 happens uh, up in Galilee in that 40-day period where Jesus is on earth for 40 days. And he meets with his 11 disciples, and here's what we're told happens. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Think of what this did for the disciples. Let's step back a minute. Think of where the disciples had to be at this moment in their life. They gave up everything in their life to follow Jesus for three years. They left their careers. They left their family to travel with Jesus throughout the Middle East. And then Jesus died. And despite Jesus telling them time and time again that he was in fact going to die, it came as a complete shock to them that Jesus died. But then, oh my goodness, he rose from the dead. This is amazing. And then he disappeared. <laughs> and then for 40 days, he, he comes and he goes. He comes and he goes. And, and what are we supposed to be doing right now? What's next? In fact, in John chapter 21, Peter said, that's it. I'm done waiting around. I'm going back to fishing. And he goes out and he fishes. Because it, they didn't know what was next. And here Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to tell you what's next. Go and make disciples. Go and baptize. Go and teach. Go with a purpose and make other people who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus, who share Jesus. Go with a purpose. Think of the meaning that that must have brought to their life. They have a life of meaning now. They have a life of purpose and they're motivated. Are you looking for meaning in your life? Are you looking for your purpose? Jesus' mission gives that to you. And that's your first point this morning. Jesus' mission brings meaning to my life. As we look at that first question, what does Jesus mean for my life? It means that you have meaning. <laughs> what does it bring? It gives your life meaning. What are we supposed to do as disciples? Go and make Disciples, that mission brings meaning to our life. It gives us focus. It gives us a purpose. And when you have purpose, and when you understand the meaning of your life, you feel valued, you feel useful, and you feel motivated. And that's why psychiatrists, 
Viktor Frankl talked about the meaning of life so often. He lived during World War II. He was an Austrian guy. Uh, He was a Jew, and his family uh, were actually uh, taken captive by the Nazis. And he survived the Holocaust, even though his family did not. And in that moment, how do you not despair? In that moment, how do you not just give up all hope when you know that your family has just died at the hands of the Nazis? Why? It's because he said, there's meaning behind this. There's purpose. And what is it? Others are going to learn from this. And I'm going to help others get through difficult times through what I've gone through. He found meaning and purpose. And he said, everyone is looking for meaning. This was different than uh, the, the other uh, thoughts and beliefs during the day. Uh, supposedly, Nietzsche said that it's, everyone had the will to power. In other words, what's everyone looking for? Power. Power in their relationships. Power in their work. Power in, in the country. Power in the world. Everyone just wants power. Freud said, no, 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 everyone had will to pleasure. That what motivates people is the pleasures of this world, the vacations of this world, the things of this world, the pleasures of this world. That's what everyone's motivated to. Frankl said, no, no, no. People get distracted with pleasure when they have no meaning. People want to consume the pleasures of this world. They want to have the pleasures of this world, pursue them, because they don't have meaning. If someone has meaning, if someone has purpose, that will drive them and motivate them, and that's where they'll find their purpose. Frankl said there's three things, three ways to find meaning. Number one, find meaning by having an experience or encountering someone that pulls you out of yourself. Number two, participate in some deed or some activity that you can get behind. And then number three, have a positive attitude about the sufferings that you're going to face in this world. And then you'll have meaning. Isn't that what Jesus Christ does for each and every one of us? You talk about encountering someone that pulls you out of yourself. Jesus is the God of this world. He is the God of this world who is holy and perfect and we should be on our face in front of him begging for mercy because we don't deserve to be in in his presence and we know it deep down because of our sin. And yet what do we find in Jesus? Not a Zeus-like character who demands homage and payment. Instead, what do we find? A God who loves. A God who comes to serve, not be served. A God who comes to mend our relationship, not get uh, revenge on his enemies, but he comes to reconcile sinners to God. You talk about encountering Jesus, someone who pulls us out of ourselves. He conquered the grave so that we live in confidence and hope, knowing that even if we die, we shall live. You talk about encountering someone that pulls us out of ourselves someone that we are in complete awe of. And then this God, who's pulled us out of ourselves, that we're in complete awe of, says, I want you to go with me. I want you to participate in the salvation of people. Not that you're winning salvation, but you get to bring the message to people. 
And that's where we find participating in a work or a deed. Jesus says, go. You get to tell people this message. You get to tell people the good news. Death's been conquered. Sin's forgiven. Life eternal is everyone's. Go. Share it. And then you talk about a a positive outlook on the sufferings of this world. All of us will suffer in this world because sin's in this world and death is in this world. But even if we suffer for 99 years, what do we know? There's an end. There's an end. And it doesn't end in despair. It doesn't end in darkness. It ends in the glorious joys of heaven where all of our suffering will end and we will live in only happiness and joy for eternity. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's brought us meaning in life as we get to encounter him on our own, and then we get to participate in this saving message of bringing it to others. We have purpose and meaning that goes beyond this world. It's an eternal meaning, an eternal purpose. This isn't something that just lasts for 10 years. When we go with a purpose and we go with this message, we're bringing eternal impact to others as we go with a purpose. Is it yours? Do you find that this is the meaning of your life? Do you find that this is your purpose? Too many Christians don't. You know, we come to church and and we hear that 64% of American adults identify as Christians and that by 2045, uh, Christianity is going to be a uh, minority religion. And we shake our heads and we leave or we close up our our phone after reading an article like that. We shake our head in disgust and we say, I can't believe it. But then nobody goes and shares the message. Nobody goes with a purpose. Nobody goes to tell others about Jesus. What about you? Are you going with a purpose? If we look at that 64% of American adults identify as Christian and and we're shaking our head, it's no wonder. Because look at our households. How many of us are bringing Jesus and God's word to our children? How many bring Jesus into the household Monday through Saturday? What is your intentional plan to bring your household up knowing Jesus, believing in Jesus? I talked with a a woman this past week, and she said, well, I, I just don't want to force my child Uh, into Christianity. I want her to make the decision for herself. I said, that's fine, except understand that if you're not influencing your child to believe in Jesus, the world will influence your child away from Jesus, and they will never choose Jesus. So you can take a hands-off approach, but no, she's not going to choose Christianity, because the world will drag her away. What are you doing to intentionally go with a purpose into your household and bring up your kids in Jesus? What are you doing with your circle of influence, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your spouse? 
What's your intentional plan to go with a purpose and build them up in God's Word? It's no wonder that 64% of American adults identify as Christians. Because too often we get distracted with pleasures. And we don't see this as our meaning and purpose in life. Do you know who had meaning and purpose? Jesus. Jesus, the the God of gods, in in John chapter 1, we're told that Jesus, the Word of God, created all things, that nothing in the world was created that wasn't created through Him. He's been around since eternity, before eternity, before all things, and yet what did Jesus do? He stepped into human history. Why? For a purpose, for meaning, to bring salvation. To bring salvation to your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your children, to bring salvation to you. And the disciples themselves tried to distract Jesus with the pleasures of this world. At one point, Jesus was talking about how he's going up to suffer and die, and Peter said to Jesus, stop talking about dying, you're not going to die. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. It's not about pleasure. Jesus, on the mountain of transfiguration, he, he transforms into all his glory. And what does Peter say once again? Let's build tents here and let's hang out. This is great. And just like that, Jesus changed back and he said, we got to go back down the hill because I have to go die. Jesus didn't get distracted with the pleasures of this world because Jesus had his meaning and his purpose and it was to save sinners, to save you, to save me. And that's what he accomplished on the cross in the empty tomb. He reconciled us to God. And he's done it for your neighbors and for your circle of influence. And now he gives you the meaning and purpose in life to go make disciples. Go bring this message of salvation to them so they know the salvation that Jesus won. Jesus says go. Go with a purpose. This mission brings so much meaning to your life. But how do you know it's for you? Uh, How do you know it's not just for pastors and teachers? There's an incredible account in Acts chapter 3 and 4. Jesus, by this time, had ascended into heaven, and Peter and John were were going to the temple to pray one day, and as they approached the temple, there was a, a man sitting on the ground. He was lame. He hadn't been able to walk since birth, and he was begging for money. And, and Peter says to him, I don't have money, but what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And the guy got up and walked. Guess what happened with all the people in the temple? They ran to Peter and John, and Peter and John preached to them and taught them about Scripture, showed how Jesus was a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And then the religious leaders heard about it, the Jewish religious leaders, and they came and questioned Peter and John. And in Acts chapter 4, do you know what what the religious leaders said? They were surprised and shocked because these guys were ordinary, uneducated men. They were ordinary, uneducated men. And these are the people that Jesus gave the mission 
to go and share Jesus. He didn't give it to the religious professionals. He gave it to the uneducated, ordinary men. If you have your high school diploma, you are more educated than the disciples were. This mission isn't just for the professionals, and that's for your second point. Jesus' mission is for all people, not just the professionals. Do you know how long it takes to uh, become a pastor in our circles? Eight years. Four years to get your Bachelor of Arts degree. Uh, so you get your Bachelor of Arts, well-rounded education, with an emphasis in biblical languages. So four years in Greek, because the New Testament's written in Greek, and you get two years in Hebrew, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And then you have either Latin, German, or Spanish that you also have to take. And then you go to seminary, where you learn preaching, you learn teaching, uh, you learn counseling, uh, you take Greek and Hebrew even more. Uh, in fact, your, your Bible classes where you're looking at the sections of Scripture, they're in either Hebrew or Greek. You don't look at the English, you look at Hebrew or Greek, and you talk about what the sentence structure, you talk about the meaning of the words, you, you talk about the, the original intent in the original languages. And then you also get doctrine classes. And for a doctrine test... Do you know how you study for it? You memorize 40 to 60 Bible verses for three essay questions. And an essay question would be, prove from Scripture that infant baptism is valid. And then you have to pull from those 40 to 60 Bible verses that you learned and write your essay. Prove from Scripture that Jesus is both true God and true man and why that's important for Christians today. You pull from those 40 to 60 Bible verses and you write your essay. And what do you get at, all, at the end of this all? A fancy diploma that goes on the wall that says Masters in Divinity. But do you know something? You can do what I do even better. Because you have influence to the people in your circle. You have more influence over them than I ever will. They trust you probably more than they will ever trust me. And the power is not in a well-crafted sermon. The power, like we looked at last week, is in the Word of God, the Gospel, the message of Jesus. And all you have to do is tell them how Jesus brings you peace, how He brings you comfort, how He brings you hope. And it's through that message, the Word about Christ, that God brings salvation to souls. And you can do it. You don't have to be a religious professional. You don't have to be a, a pastor or a teacher to do it. You can do it. And how do we know? Acts chapter 4. Ordinary, uneducated men spread the gospel of Jesus and the Christian church boomed in the first century. Finally, your last point. What does this do for my day-to-day -day life? Am, 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 are we just supposed to give up our careers are we just supposed to give up everything that we do in life to go and spread the message of Jesus? No. Here's your last point. We go with a purpose into our different callings. The doctrine is called vocation. Uh, God has placed us in different vocations. He's called us to different callings in life. For instance, you are, you're in a calling of a parent. You're in a calling of a spouse. You have the calling 
of an employer or an employee. You have a calling as a friend, as a neighbor. God has placed you in these different callings, and as you live in those callings, we share the message of Jesus, and we live the gospel. We live it, and we share it. It's fair that some of you in your place of employment, because I hear this a lot, well, at work it's hard to, to share the message of Jesus because I could get fired for it. True, but you can live the gospel. You can live ethically. You can live morally. You can watch the words that are coming out of your mouth that are, are encouragement in building others up, not tearing others down, not whining, not complaining, but giving thanks in all circumstances and finding the joy in everything. And you are going to stand out and guess what's going to happen? A coworker is going to come up and say, why are you always so happy? Why are you so different than the rest of us? And then they've given you the end to say, let me tell you about Jesus because he's changed my life. We live it and then we share it. We share it in our circle of influence. What is your intentional plan? to bring your kids up knowing Jesus? How are you going to intentionally bring this to your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends? Think it through. Because God will give you the opportunity when you look. Go with a purpose into our callings. Live it. Share it. And I want to close up by saying this. It is intimidating to, to go to a, a non-Christian friend who knows really nothing and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help this person go from this to a, a, a full-on Christian who believes that Jesus is our Savior. We as a church are partnering with you. And here's how. We have a, a discipleship pathway. The first one is start. It's starting point. Who is Jesus? Who is God? What's he done for us? What is he currently doing for us? And we look at that. Grow is the next step. How do we grow in the peace that Jesus gives us? How do we grow in our relationships? How do we grow in our marriage? How do we bring the peace of God into my life to know what my identity and purpose is? That's what that class is all about. Then integrate. What our church is all about. Our worship. Why do we worship the way we do? Why do we connect the way we do? Why do we serve and how can you get involved? And then engage as we offer doctrine classes, as we offer Bible classes, as we offer uh, connect group, volunteer opportunities. Grow in your faith. We are here to partner with you, but you're on the front lines. Go into your circle of influence with a purpose to bring the message of salvation to them. And we'll put a big dent in that 36% that doesn't identify as Christians. So let's go with a purpose. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for creating us for yourself. We thank you for redeeming us by sending Jesus. We thank you that he went with a purpose. He came to this earth with a purpose to win salvation for us, and he accomplished that at the cross and the empty tomb. We thank you for that. We thank you for sending us on this same mission, uh, not to win salvation, but to bring the message of salvation to others. Thank you for including us. You could do it all yourself, and yet uh, you recruit us to bring the message. Help us to live intentionally with this. Uh, let us bring it into our households. Let us, bring it, let us bring it to our families. Let us bring it to our neighbors, our friends, our circle of influences. Let us sit down and come up with an intentional plan of how to do it. Most importantly, continue to bring the forgiveness and grace that Jesus won for us to our hearts. Let that motivate us. Let us be in awe of it. And let us find our meaning and purpose in bringing this to as many people as possible. In your name we pray. Amen.